Ken Miller, Trent Condon. They are Miller and Condon on Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO. Hi, good morning, everybody, and welcome in. It's uh, Miller and Condon on Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO. Happy Friday to all of those uh, listeners out there. We're glad you're with us. As we uh, talk the world of sports with you right up until noon hour today. Busy program. I want to tell you, first of all, it's brought to us by our friends at uh, Fuller Dental. A couple of locations. Uh, FullerDental.net online is where you can read all about my dentist and his two locations. 2822 East 29th Street in Des Moines and in Altoona at 410 8th Street Southwest in Altoona. Dr. Stephen Fuller and company over there. Fuller Dental. Uh, if you're new to the area or you're looking for another dentist, Move to that part of town, fullerdental.net, 2822 East 29th Street, Des Moines, 410 8th Street Southwest in Altoona. Busy program coming up on the show today. We're going to have Dylan Monts. He's going to join us in studio. Oh, in about 15 minutes or so, we'll take a look at Iowa State. Some football news over the broke yesterday. We'll get into that with Dylan. Tom Cakert's going to be here also with Dylan. Of course, we'll look ahead to tomorrow, K-State, Iowa State. Uh, Tom Cakert from Hawkeye Report. He was at Evanston the other night, so I'll pick his brain on that win and look forward to Ohio State tomorrow. Matt Postens um, is a guy that wears a lot of hats. He covers the Big 12, in particular the Texas schools and Oklahoma schools, uh, but he also writes for CowboyHQ.com, covers the Dallas Cowboys, so we'll uh, pick his brain on uh, the nightcap tomorrow, the Cowboys and the Rams, two best running backs in football in that game tomorrow night. Is that a stretch? I don't think so. Shaquan Barkley says hi. Yeah, he's he's a different level, isn't he? <laughs> if he had a quarterback with him, yeah, right, good, fair point. Uh, who else is in that conversation? I like the kid Case uh, Carson rather in Seattle. He had a really good Melvin year. Gordon when he's healthy. Mm-hmm. Um, Philip Lindsay, Kareem Hunt. Yeah, who knows what his situation yes. is. Yes. Uh, and, and you know what? Who brought this? Oh, Taisha when he joined us yesterday. It's a different football team without him. Yeah, They are absolutely. a different football team. They are not as, now I think they're going to win tomorrow, but they're not as invincible uh, as, as they certainly looked. Uh, in midseason, in the eleven o'clock hour, more football will go around all of the uh, divisional games tomorrow. Now, tell me about uh, Andrew Garda. I know you used to use him a lot. This yeah. will be the first time I've spoken with him. By the way, no Paul Allen today. Uh, circumstances beyond ours or Paul's con- uh, control. No PA today. He is. Uh, he wrote for a number of years a Bleacher Report. He's a newspaper guy out east, but he wrote, works for Pro Football Weekly. A uh, really fun, interesting guy to talk to. He's got. The Northeast Connection, but he's covered also the Packers for a number of years. He's helped out with, uh, do you know the name Aaron? Oh, now I, I just lost it, but one of the big Packer websites. He's been a part of that for a number of years, Is too. Is this M- McElroy or McCullough or something? like? I, I don't remember. I don't either. Yeah, Anyways, but. Andrew Garden and Nick Athen will be here. Uh, we'll do a whole lot on the Kansas City Chiefs and Indianapolis. Now... Kansas City is supposed to get snow. Uh, that that snowstorm that is going to potentially affect us, mm-hmm. apparently it's going to be stronger near the Missouri border. So I wonder if that um, is going to affect the game. Now, it's supposed to be starting tonight and overnight, so maybe it'll be the system will move on. Maybe it'll miss Kansas City entirely. But I thought that I saw it's going to hit um, kind of I-70. 
you know, right from St. Louis into Kansas City and then make its way up over the Iowa border and potentially going to affect us. So, anyways. Um, I hope that's the case. From Is there what anything? Perspective? You got the under? No, 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 not yet. Not yet. No, from just a visual standpoint, oh, I, I know. love yeah. snow games. And I'm not alone. And TV ratings bear that out. Oh, Trent, the, the Apple Cup won one of the better games yes, this year. Yes, We didn't have a, did we have a snow game in the NFL this year? I mean, Buffalo, usually you can count on yes. Cleveland's going to get one. Uh, maybe Pittsburgh's going to have snow, but Buffalo, you can usually count on a, you know, on awful conditions. I don't think we had a snow game in the NFL. Nothing jumps to mind. Uh-uh. Was it Buffalo the year previous that just that just nuts got clobbered? One? Yes. Got clobbered. Of course, New England, we've seen those before. Um, Including a very <laughs> tuck rule game yeah, was, was yeah. played in just a driving snowstorm. Well, before we get all to, to all of that, mm-hmm. I got something for you. Breaking news sounder there from the KXNO production studio. The Iowa Hawkeyes have completed their 2023 football schedule. Are you ready for this? Will I fall off my chair? Will I be... Wow, that's really good. Or come on, is that the best you can do? Which which category will I fall into? Well, it is Iowa. It is the latter, of course. Uh-huh. It will be Western Michigan, mm. along with Utah State. Mm. There you Utah go. Utah State's pretty good most years. In Kinnick Stadium. In Kinnick, but Utah State, Utah State can sneak up on some teeth. Sure. Well, that's 2023. Yes. Hope I'm still on the air in 2023. Me too. Yeah. Well, thank you. Yes. Oh, you mean yourself. Yeah. Well, but, but I was speaking of you, but <laughs> yes, know. me too. Yes. Well, if I'm here, you're here. All right. Uh, so in the 11 o'clock hour, I'll, we'll finish things up by giving away uh, some barbecue, our friends at Claxton. So Trent Condon, uh, and I guess, I don't know how I missed this announcement, or maybe maybe it wasn't an announcement. I had no idea. Idea, the that the Big Ten basketball, men's basketball, is really trying to make a dent in Friday nights. You know, we've got two games tonight and two really good games in the Big Ten tonight. Indiana, Maryland. Yes. You know, I'm kind of high on that Maryland team. And then the nightcap, Purdue and Wisconsin. Uh, FS1 has uh, has them both. I know the Hawks have two Friday night games because I checked. Mm-hmm. Michigan, right? Michigan on mm-hmm. Super Bowl weekend. And I want to say... Maybe the Hoosiers is the other one. Okay, but uh, but and they're both home games. They don't play on the road, uh, Iowa. They're both uh, at Carver Hawkeye on Friday nights. I'm anxious to see, quite honestly, um, what what that's going to do for the attendance. Because you know, HD is not has not been kind to Carver Hawkeye. No, not at all. I mean, it's you, it's hard to hide those empty seats, and there's a bunch of them behind the baskets because you know they go way up. Yep, um, and it's it's not a good look. Let me find. I want to be accurate when I say this, Michigan is one of them and yes it is indiana on the 22nd of february so two february friday night games uh, at carver hawkeye what do you think that does one of them is at six michigan is early so if you're a you know a polk county or a central iowa hawkeye fan you're probably gonna have to duck out of work a little bit early Mm -hmm. if you want to get there in time for maybe the marquee game um that will be played there. I know Michigan State pays a visit too, and they're really good too. You know, we we kind of were looking at the Big Ten. We both kind of fell on Michigan. Yeah, maybe need to expand throughout the state a little bit. Don't forget about Sparty. Don't forget about Sparty. But what do you think that's going to do? Is this going to be something that um, you know makes it easier for people to get the Carver? It's a Friday night. I mean, I get that there's high school basketball going, but. I kind of like this, Trent. I'll be honest with you. I'm anxious to see if the attendance gets a little bump. I mean, it's Michigan, so you would think that it would in the first place. Right. But your thoughts? Well, the obvious preference, I think, for most everybody is still Saturday games. You know, you remember two years ago when they 
didn't have a Saturday home game in Big Ten Bunch play. Bunch of Sundays, yes. It was Sundays, and that's what they had. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, the midweek games uh, that they normally have. And there was a lot of pullback. Even last year, they got a couple of those dates. But I still think that's the preference. And if they are going to do this and they're going to continue down this path and FS1 and, and Fox wants to do this and try to build it up, you got to stay with it. You can't keep moving things around mm-hmm. and, well, it's a couple of Fridays. No, it, it's got to be bigger than that. It has to be something where you know each and every year you're going to have two home dates like this and, and continuing and maybe make it into a bigger event and, and make a bigger deal out of it. But has there been anything from the university? Has there been anything different to try to push? Hey, there's a Friday night game. It's not up a on me, Trent. It totally I haven't heard a couple. Of, I, I had no idea. And I just looked at next Friday, and there's two Big Ten tilts again: Maryland, Ohio State, uh, Northwestern at Rutgers. That's a PU. Um, but you know, so so maybe this is a thing. Yes, I like it. On the surface, I like it. I'm anxious. Well, to you see don't work Friday does. nights like I do. Well, that's true. I hate it. Yeah, well, you've but got, that's you've got high school. Ba- now, where are you tonight? Valley, I saw. Actually. I will. Yeah. So just a hop, skipping away uh, from home, which I, I definitely like that part of it. And a really, really good matchup. Top five matchup on the girls' side in Game 1. Southeast Polk over at West Des Moines Valley. Game 2 will be the boys' side. And you can watch it and listen at KXNO.com. All right, so Dylan Moss is going to slide on here, in here in about five minutes. We'll get the latest on Cam Lard. Her, you know, when I was watching the game, I think it was Halliburton that kind of ran up on him from behind, right? And it looked so innocuous, so innocent almost at the time. Uh, and then he was, you know, helped off the floor and he returned out into the, uh, or after halftime and he was in a walking boot. It looked like, wow, that was kind of a fluke if it's going to end up being as bad as it was. But the good news is, is the MRI came back clean apparently he's a game time decision for tomorrow which would be great it would be you know if he can't play tomorrow obviously you want him back next week as schedule takes uh well, it's the Big 12. There's not many off nights, let's be honest. Um, but uh, good news for Cameron Lard because they missed him, I think. He played really, really well. He's starting to uh, get his uh, legs underneath him a little bit and as he kind of sees his minutes increase. And so we'll do that with Dylan. The other thing that snuck up on me yesterday, um, Dylan tweeted this out. There's, a, there's an all-star game, a senior all-star game, NFL Players Association Collegiate Showcase, I, I'm not sure if that's the exact name, but it's the venue where this game is going to be played. Brian Peavy, Willie Harvey, DeAndre Payne, and Matt Eaton will all suit up representing Iowa State. Game's at the Rose Bowl of all places. I mean, what a thrill, right? I mean, I know this. There's no, we're near 100,000 people there. No, not at all. You know, you might be pleased if you get 100 people in the building. It'll look like a UCLA home game. <laughs> look like you, well, maybe not quite that okay. bad. But, um, well, my point being, it's pretty cool to be able to, you know, to go to the Rose Bowl one time, right? What did you think of the stadium when you were there covering the Iowa game? Well, from the outside or inside? Both. Kind of had the... It's funny you mention that. Um, because I had the same kind of feeling with the fabulous forum you know, in Los yeah, Angeles, yeah. in Inglewood. Oh my God, look at the columns. Yes. The pillars out front. What I would give to get a peek inside that baby, and I did, and it was one of the bigger, bigger letdowns of um, not my life. I had a lot of those, uh, but but you know it was a it was a big letdown. Yeah. when I finally got into it, when I the Rose Bowl from the outside, just seeing the sign and driving through Pasadena and all of those beautiful homes and the surrounding areas, it's just I had goosebumps. Then I got inside. It's, I mean, the grass is spectacular. 
Well, if you have the right cleats. Well, if you have the right cleats, yeah. and obviously, I well, uh, Christian McCaffrey had a lot to do with that. I were having the wrong cleats in that game too. Um, it was okay. Maybe I wasn't. I was more impressed with the outside than I was with the inside. Is that is that where you feel kind of how you feel too? Well, I got there early. In fact, our parking, our tailgating spot was we were feet away from the Rose Bowl sign. We were the sixth car in. So we were now. Right was there. that as a first come first server? Yes, gotcha. Yeah, my my buddy got up at four, got in line, and he was the sixth one in, and we were away. So we were right there, and and you're right, and walking around and just the environment around it. But because I got there so early, I maybe over imbibed just a little bit, and I walk in, and my thought was, that's it. That this is the Rose Bowl. Yeah, no, I, I liked it's, it more than you did, I think. It's Trent, I grew up watching that game. We watched one. Oh, so did but, but we only watched one college football game a year. Well, that's true. Right? And yeah. that, I don't know why. I think, but I think my family must have been big parade people, and we just kept the TV on when I was, sure. I'm talking when I was a little boy. Uh huh. And we go to grandma's, and the Rose Bowl would be on, and that would be basically the only college football game I would watch as a, I mean, as a young kid. Mm-hmm. So it's always, it always had a special place for me. Um, and then when I got to go there, I mean, my God, I was just giddy that I finally got to cover uh, uh, a Rose Bowl. Anyways, we got to take a break. Dylan Mott's going to join us in studio next. We'll do a lot on Cam Lard. We'll do a lot on that uh, um, All-Star game at the NFL Players Association Bowl uh, at the at the Rose Bowl. We'll do that. We'll take a look ahead to K-State, uh, which is tomorrow at 11 o'clock. I saw Brent Bloom tweeted yesterday. That's the earliest tip in years for the Cyclones at Hilton Coliseum. Really? Haven't had a lot of 11 o'clock tips, according to Bloomy. Hmm. Can't remember the exact year, but I remember being, wow, quite a long time since they played. Uh, so Dylan's here. Tom Caker will follow him in. Matt Poston's. We're busy. Uh, a lot in the NFL. It's Miller and Condon on Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO. Polar Plunge. It's 24-hour sports, morning, noon, and night, here on 1460 KXNO. You haven't used this one, Trent Condon. Well done. Uh, welcome back. It's Miller and Condon. We're on Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO. Dylan Montz is in studio. Momentarily, we'll speak with him. Tom Cakert is coming up. Matt Poston's busy, busy program. At about 11.45, we'll give you your opportunity to be a part of the Claxons giveaway. So during the last commercial break, did you hear that spot TC for Ballard's? That the, the fishing, the PD. Uh, is part of, did you hear? Were you listening? Yes, it, yes. You? Yeah, well, Ross, right? Ross, yeah. Yeah. Something you'd want to do? Probably. Well, how much alcohol is involved? Well, whatever you take on the boat. Can I bring a lot? I don't see why not. Well, I'd have did. a great time. Yeah, I'm not much of a fisherman. Aren't you? No. Oh, boy. You know what? When I get asked what I miss... I don't miss this part of the year, <laughs> but, but being from the middle of May until about mm, middle of August, it's spectacular. It really and truly is. It's not a real big window. No, it's not. But you, and you make the best of it. I was I was constantly on a body of water with a fishing rod and tackle box. I miss that. Or in a blind, not not a deer blind. We would dig a pit and put goose decoys out. That's how I spent the fall hunting geese. And every, not a big deer guy, but uh, call, not, nothing like calling in the birds and the geese and getting them to come into your set. And 
I should we should have PD on talk about that. Yeah, Man, we kill some time doing that one segment. Well, let's get Dylan Monts in here. Uh, he is right here and he joins us in studio. Great to see you in studio, by the way. How are you? Yeah, I'm doing well. It's it's good to be with you guys finally, yeah. looking at you face to face. Nobody's declared for the NFL draft today that I know of, so uh, <laughs> no conflicts and uh, ready to roll. But it's good to be with you. Yeah, that's right. It uh, it hit the fan on on Monday. Were you surprised that? Uh, um, Butler's announcement kind of came right on the heels of Montgomery. We both thought that, I think I'll use your expression, you thought maybe we'd let this breathe a little bit. Yeah, that wasn't the case. Yeah, it, I, I was surprised. It sounded like it was, it was starting to leak a little bit, and then I actually oh. um, I got in contact with him. Um, you know, it was during the first quarter of the national championship game, I think. Um, he You'd kind of started to see a, a few things leak on Twitter, and so... I reached out to him and, and was like, hey, is this true? Starting to see some of this. And he's like, yep, um, that's my decision. And so went with it. And then um, it was maybe 10, 15 minutes later that he put out his own statement on Twitter and, and kind of similar to Montgomery's. But yeah, I, I thought it would be maybe a few more days than it was just to kind of, you know, let Montgomery sit. Then he would kind of have his own moment, but um, knocked them both out on, on Monday. And, and that's where we're at. And that's all I would expect also yeah. from, from, from Iowa State. I don't think there'll be a Ray Lima surprise or anything like that. It sounds like it's going to be those two guys and, and obviously the seniors. Well, I, I found out with the University of Iowa having looks like four guys of Hawkinson declares, you can only have up to five players that ask for the official paperwork from the NFL. Because of that, have you heard any other players like a Ray Lima, anybody else that at least ask for that evaluation, or is that still kind of under lock and key names? Yeah, it's been a little bit under lock and key, and I, I actually didn't know that that, that was a rule, but it, it, I guess it makes sense. You, you don't want to submit your whole team, and it kind of creates yeah. more more stuff for right. for those guys to look through. But I I wouldn't be surprised if it was like a uh, a Ray Lima. Uh, I'm trying to go through the rest of the defense. Maybe was Enrique? Yeah, maybe a guy like any. Um, you know, if, I don't know if it'll be this year. Maybe next year, a guy like Charlie Kohler. Um, I, I think he Ken's could be. Guy. A pro. Yeah, Ken's He's guy. A pro. I know you love Charlie. He's a pro. Uh, but I I think um, there'd be guys like that. I, I I don't know how many they would go through exactly. I, Butler and Montgomery, the main guys, and maybe a couple. You'd pick out a couple more like Bailey yeah, it's a good one because if, yeah, ba- if yeah. Bailey's six foot four instead of six foot two I well think... he's not at Iowa State uh, right <laughs> you're right you're 100 percent right but yeah, yeah. yeah they yeah. wouldn't have got him in all likelihood yeah, yeah I, like you like we're kind of getting to it sounds like a lot of it would be on the defensive line with yeah. how deep that group is mm-hmm. and, and kind of the talent they have so um still haven't heard from Matt Campbell hoping to get that um you know talk to him one of these days here but uh, yeah I, I think those are probably some of the mo- more prime candidates for that uh this NFL Players Association collegiate game at, uh, that's taking place at the Rose Bowl relatively new right I mean this game kind of snuck up on me and um, I don't. I don't know if it's competition for Mobile, but if you've got an opportunity, you could only go to one. I know that there's going to be a ton of scouts in Mobile because that's the one that's got the history behind it, but I could see this becoming a big, big factor in all of this. Yeah, it, it sounds like it started in 2012, and Iowa State's sending four guys with Brian Peavy, Willie Harvey, DeAndre Payne, uh, and Matthew Eaton. So uh, it, from what I understand, it sounds like there's going to be a couple hundred um, scouts, staffers, general managers, head coaches from all 32 teams. And, uh, you know, they'll be there throughout the, the week, it sounds like, with the game ending on, on the 19th. But uh, they'll do interviews. They'll look mm-hmm. at highlight tapes. Um, so they get to have a lot of hands-on interaction with those guys, which I think is really valuable. If you're not going to go get to showcase yourself at a place like the Senior Bowl, um, doing it in Pasadena at the Rose Bowl, right. um, you know, a little bit of sunshine in, in the winter months is not too bad. So a, a good opportunity for those guys, and I think all of them have some sort of shot at, at some sort of pro 
pro future. Now, pro day, I mean, Iowa State will hold one, I'm assuming. They do every single year. Do you? Did, I'm sure you covered it last year, but how... Um, what kind of access do you get when, when Iowa State has their pro day? I mean, they, they open it up to all the scouts. I don't know why they would keep the media out, do they? No. Uh, the only thing, uh, we used to be able to go into the weight room and watch them do all of those things, and we don't anymore just because of the space um, issues uh, with the, the number of scouts and the media, uh, just the way it's grown. Um, it gets a little bit cramped in there, and they talk about safety issues, things mm-hmm. like that. So we don't get to go in there, but... We do get to go to the indoor facility and watch them run the 40s, the cone drills, um, and, and all those different things on the field. And then we get to talk to uh, a, you know, a number of those guys afterwards. So there will be an opportunity to talk to Keem Butler, David Montgomery, Brian Peavy, the, Willie Harvey, the whole slew of guys. And um, there are a couple guys from other schools that come in, too. Uh, last year, was it just last year, I think, the, the tight end from Drake came in? Um, yeah. And then they had or a couple of years ago, a couple of years, a couple ago, years yeah. ago. Okay, and I, I remember just a few different guys um, from smaller schools, Division three schools that came in too. So, uh, it, yeah, it, it's a nice opportunity to kind of see those guys and catch them one more time before they go off to train wherever else they may be going. So the NFL Combine, obviously, getting invited to that is very important too. Out of the senior group, who who are the guys that you most expect to make their way to Indy? Yeah, I think Brian Peavy probably first and foremost. Uh, just kind of with his flirtation with the NFL last year, I think he would be a guy that would uh, probably get that invite in some of the uh, PFF rankings that he came in with and, and some of his stats as a corner and passes defended and, and things like that. I think he's probably um, the top senior that would. And then I think Willie Harvey is kind of underrated too. He came in and was a really important part of that defense this year. And just the way he was able to kind of fit gaps and help a guy like Mike Rose and, and Marcel, Marcel Spears, obviously, on the other side was, was an asset, too. But um, I, I think Willie Harvey, um, you know, could be kind of the underrated surprise type of guy uh, out of this group. So mm-hmm. I think people know what David Montgomery, Akeem Butler, Brian Peavy could could have in store for them. But I think Willie Harvey, um, you know, he could stick his nose right in there, too, and maybe make a little noise. What was uh, Harvey like to, to talk to? Was he distraught after the bowl game? You know, the way his career ended at Iowa State, being, you know, asked to leave the field for targeting. Uh, it, did you have a chance to talk uh, to him? Uh, never did. Uh, he put out a statement on Twitter Saw during the that, game, yeah. which is kind of what Montgomery did when he was ejected for the fighting against Baylor. But, uh, yeah, obviously disappointed, especially to have it happen so early, because uh, uh, there's all this build up. And I remember talking to him uh, in the days leading up to the game and, and just kind of um, how much validation he felt in kind of a similar situation to Brian Peavy where those guys came in and they were winning two games, three games their first couple of years. And now they had this opportunity to go play in the, the top Big 12 bowl game outside the New Year's Six in college football playoff and, and to kind of have it um, you know ripped from me a little bit in the first quarter was, was tough. But um, you know I, I think... He, he took it as well as he could and, and is kind of moving on. And it sounds like, um, you know, again, the, these opportunities like the NFLPA Collegiate Bowl is, is a good opportunity for him to kind of um, extend his career a little bit. Hmm. You know, one of the big questions looking at next season for me, we've talked about skill positions. They return a ton on that offensive line. It still doesn't feel like, even with the success they've had the last couple of years, now that's taken the step forward I, I think a lot of people anticipated, kind of with Campbell's background and what he's been able to do with offensive lines. You know, what what's the next step there and, and with what that happened last year with Manning leaving, how big of an impact do you think that was for this past year's offensive line? Yeah, there was a little bit of a shakeup. I don't know if it was um, this huge paradigm shift, though. You still have Jeff Myers, who was hands-on with those guys um, on, on game days even, it sounds like, when Todd Manning was up in the press box. 
Jeff Myers would be down there on the field with those guys and, and really kind of giving them the pointers and instructions. So he, he knew all those guys really well. But I think the big thing for that group was the lack of consistency at times and, and just how long it takes sometimes to find the right five guys because – uh, early in the year, um, there was kind of that shifting in the Iowa game and then the Oklahoma game between Colin Newell and Julian Good-Jones at center. Then you move Good-Jones over to left tackle. Um, he's played, what, three different positions and started at three different positions in his three years uh, at Iowa State. So it just they're always trying to uh, plug holes and, and fill gaps and not necessarily, um, you know, it, You'd like it to be found a little bit quicker and to be able to let those guys mesh because then you talk about Josh Mueller uh, at left guard. He came in and then decided to leave the program after a couple games when when he was banged up and then um, Colin Olson came in and filled that hole. But yeah, I, I think it's just been tough for them to find all five guys and have them you know gel early. So I, I think that's the biggest thing for them is, is trying to find ways to to have that happen in game one or two instead of you know three or four. Are you envious of the basketball media that gets to talk to a Halliburton or a Horton Tucker or any of the other freshmen? Uh, but they're off limits. You you never had a chance to talk to Brock Purdy this year. No, not not yet. No, uh, yeah, especially if you're talking about a guy with the personality of Tyrese Halliburton. He's kind of, um, you know, he he's really loose and and has been really a good interview since he got here. So it'll be nice to to talk to Brock Purdy, even a Real Mitchell, just to kind of oh, see sure. what what that year was like. Um, you know, even a even a Trevor Downing. When you talk about offensive linemen, a guy that got a lot of praise. Uh, in his uh, true freshman year and can kind of come in maybe next year and, and uh, stake a little claim to some playing time. But, yeah, it, it'll be nice to see those guys or, or talk to them for the first time and kind of get what that year was like. No, you will you be able to do that in spring ball? Yeah, uh, so technically their freshman year ended uh, after the bowl game. So gotcha. now in, in spring ball, it sounds like uh, we'll be able to get those guys because they would be classified as quote-unquote sophomores is my understanding. Tom Craker in a minute. Real quick on basketball. Uh, Lard, uh, some good news there with Cameron Lard. Doesn't sound as though it's anywhere near as serious as maybe it looked. Yeah, it looked icy at first. Um, so when he didn't come back out on the court, it looked like it would, um, you know, you were wondering if his, his comeback was derailed a little bit. But it sounds like he could potentially go uh, against Kansas State mm-hmm. on Saturday. Um, you know, I don't know if they'll try to force the issue. But, um, yeah, it sounds like they avoided some disaster with the Achilles and the, the knee and things like that. So uh, good news for him and good news for Iowa State because he has come on and played um, better since he, he came back from that suspension. Well, good news for us. You live just down the street from the studio. We get to actually have you win here. You, I, I've said it all the time, Dylan. Uh, Trent and I are incredibly grateful to you. Mm-hmm. We, uh, we had a real lack of Iowa State coverage, right? Because we yes. lost all of those. Uh, can't talk to the register guys. Of course, the Fanatic guys weren't going to come on down, up the dial. We relied on you a bunch, and uh, we're very grateful for what you did for us. Thank you. Seriously. Yeah, it, it's always great to be on with you guys and have these sort of chats And uh, anytime. anytime. AimsTrib.com to read Dylan Montz, to read Travis Hines, to read the entire paper, AimsTrib.com. Thank you, Dylan. We appreciate you coming in. Let's switch from the clones. Tom Caker joins us next. Tom, how are you, Tom Caker? Good to see you. Or good to hear you from you. Yeah, good to talk to you guys, too. Doing well here. Well, tell us about the new Northwestern venue, Tom. Um, I know that the media was all uh, pumped up because the the individual lights that you guys have at your little media uh, spot there, they stayed in place. But it's, uh, is it, I mean, give me your thoughts. You know, it's it's an interesting arena. I really like it. Um, it it feels less like a high school gym, mm-hmm. uh, you know, without the the wooden bleachers everywhere. Um, it feels kind of like a almost like a small concert venue in some ways. Um, just 
it it just feels more intimate, feels more um, higher end than it did before. So I, I really liked it. Um, you know, they put us up on the second level, which is where we were before, and you know, kind of right behind the visiting bench, uh, but straight up. So. Uh, it's not like you're on the other side of the world either. It's, it has an intimate feel to it. I, I really liked it. Well, after the victory against Northwestern, they look to make it three in a row with Ohio State coming in, but I don't want to bury the lead here, Tom. Are you dressing up in Chewbacca? Are you a Star Wars guy? Because apparently it's Star Wars-themed day at Carver tomorrow. It's it's one of my favorite days <laughs> as a Star Wars nerd. Okay, uh, uh, this is the, but I will not be dressing up as oh. uh, hmm. anything. Uh, you know, I I I don't uh, don't think that would be appropriate. But I will probably be taking pictures of some of those characters and sharing them on social media. So you can look forward to that. Great, because, uh, it's always fun to to see Darth Vader and. Uh, the other characters wandering about. They'll probably had last year. They had some stormtroopers wandering about the uh, uh, the uh, the walkways of, of Carver Hawkeye. So that's always fun. Uh, any update on Tyler Cook? Uh, will he be on the bench in street clothes, or will he be, actually be able to participate? What do you think is going to happen tomorrow, Tom? No update yet. Uh, other than it seems like it's more of a bruise than it is. Um, you know something structural at least that's what Fran said after uh, you know that's what he told uh Bobby and and Gary so um he was just kind of like we're going to get it looked at some more but he just it, it seemed like it was something that has been bothering him for a little bit so maybe one of those drives of the bucket where he went down i i think he probably banged his knee a little bit and it's it's sore and um, he probably gutted it out for a couple games with it being pretty sore uh, because they didn't have Luca Garza and um, you know mm, sure. team kind of so to speak. But now um, you know he's gonna see if he can get it to feel a little bit better and get ready for uh, Saturday. I you know unless they found something in an MRI, I would expect that he'll be out there on Saturday. You know, Tom, uh, as we go through and you look at the season and what has happened, you know, throughout, you mentioned the injuries that have cropped up. Do you think, in a, in a way, they're second guessing the decision to redshirt Jack Nungy? Um, at this point, probably not. But um, I, I think it would have been nice to have that extra body uh, there to, to utilize at a different different points when you've had some foul trouble. I mean, you look back the other night, there was a time where they were playing the 3-2 zone, which is kind of interesting because Fran's kind of gone to that uh, the last couple games, uh, and I couldn't recall any other time when he's used more of a 3-2 than it's a, worked. usually traditionally been a 2-3 guy. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, the, uh, they had Connor McCaffrey down on the block <laughs> <laughs> with Luca or Kreener. So, I, I think at one point it was it was Luca, but they had a relatively small lineup out there. You know, they had some length. I mean, Macy Daly was out there on the wing and, uh, but, but yeah, there, there are times when, when you're, when you have, uh, really just kind of three bigs, you're, you're really, uh, going small at times on that back line. Uh, and they get by with it against Northwestern because they're kind of in the same situation as Iowa where they had two bigs and, a lot of guys that were like six, 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 seven. Uh, so 
uh, you'd get by with it. Um, you know, Ohio State's got a little bit more size and certainly more bulk with uh, with big Caleb Wesson in the middle. Mm-hmm. Tom, um, I don't know how this snuck past us, but it did. Uh, I was unaware that the, that the Big Ten is really trying to capture Friday nights. I mean, we got a couple of really good ones tonight. Maryland, Ohio State, uh, Northwest. Uh, that's, uh, that's in two weeks. I beg your pardon. Um, let me get Michigan is one of the games tonight. Let me find it real quick. Indiana, Maryland. Okay. And Purdue, Wisconsin, not Michigan. Michigan comes yeah. to Carver on the first of February. But I was got a couple of home games on Friday nights. Trent and I kicked this around to start off the show. I, you know what? I'm kind of anxious to see what this does as far as you know. Will Hawkeye fans accept these games on on Friday night? I'm anxious to see how these go over, Tom. I give them credit for trying. Yeah, it's sort of like the Friday night football thing that they tried, um, and they got more pushback on that from the high school level. Um, I don't know if they'll get as much pushback from the high school level in basketball, but I'm sort of a traditionalist. I kind of like Friday nights being mm-hmm. um, being a basketball at the high school level night, and then Saturdays. Uh, but you know, high school basketball is also played on Saturdays. I mean, there's a big um, event this weekend at um, um, uh, the U.S. Cellular Center in Cedar Rapids. The next two weekends where they've got uh, uh, Xavier Foster's team's coming in Saturday, and then they've got uh, um, next weekend, I think, D.J. Carton's team from Bettendorf's playing in this event, and it's got, like, five teams. And, you know, even last night, there was a ton of high school basketball. In, in my area, Most uh, a good portion of the conference, uh, the uh, back conference games were uh, on Thursday night, and a lot of those teams are playing Saturday games. So I, I don't think it's as big a deal. Speaking of Xavier Foster, the big man from down in Oski, what's the latest on his recruitment? Obviously, Iowa State involved, along with a host of others. Yeah, it's um, still kind of clearly cloudy. Um, <laughs> you know, the I think this this spring is going to be huge for his recruitment because that's when you're going to find out are the Kentuckys and Dukes going to get involved, or are they going to? kind of stay on the sidelines um you know kansas is already involved and i think he's pretty enamored there ucla was really involved with with alford but you know now with the coaching change uh it depends on who they hire full-time uh and whether they make foster priority but i know he and his family were kind of enamored a little bit with westwood so um we'll see where it goes but uh i think i was going to be in there till the very end that's kind of you know the indication I've gotten from uh, from his dad. So I, I think that's yeah. You know, I think next I think this spring and summer is going to be huge to see where who's really in and who's really out. Mm. Winnable basketball game tomorrow, Tom at Carver. I uh, don't like the fact Ohio State's coming off a loss against Rutgers. That'll give them a you know maybe a little bit more uh, oomph, if you will. But I'm not sure what about this Ohio State team this year. I'm not. They're two wins. They put uh, the, the the early games. They they won them both. Illinois and Minnesota. Michigan State picked them off. That's no disgrace there. Certainly the Rutgers game can't be one they're real proud of. But th- this is a this is an opportunity for Iowa to win three straight games in conference. It is, and really build something because then you look at next week they go to Penn State, who's you know I thought they played okay last. I night, did but, too. Yeah, uh, but I, I thought that was a nice bounce back for them because I, I was 
a little concerned that maybe that team was, uh, mm-hmm. you know, kind of given up on Chambers after the shoving incident with one of his players. Oh, good point. That Reeves kid can play inside. Like big kid Watkins in the middle, nice player. Watkins. I really like Reeves. Yeah, yeah, I really like Watkins. He's he's a tough kid, and Lamar Stevens gave Iowa fits last year. Um, and then they've got uh, Iowa's got Illinois next Sunday. So and, and Illinois is really, you know, I think they're better, but they're still struggling to get over that hump especially on the road. So you got a chance. If you can get Saturday, maybe you could throw five in a row together, and then all mm-hmm. of a sudden that 0-3 teams, 5-3. and three. So um, this is a really, I think, a swing game for Iowa that they could really take off here if they could uh, pick off Ohio State. I'm just, I'm really impressed with Ohio State, um, just in general, um, under Holtman. Yeah. He, he's really over, you know, exceeded what I thought he could do coming in there last year and then this year they got off to a pretty good start uh you know they got the weston boys and um jackson at guard so they're they're a dangerous team but here's the thing that you said they're playing back-to-back roadies and that's tough and and it's going from new jersey to iowa that's just about as long as you can get for a trip in the conference. <laughs> well, you know, I just looked ahead to, to next week championship weekend when you remind me Illinois and Iowa play on Sunday. It's actually not bad. Noon tip off at Carver. The first of the championship games is two o'clock, so things will be wrapping up at Carver in time for you to flip over and uh, I think it's the NFC that is first. The AFC goes last on championship. Won't weekend. be the Bears though. Stop it, Trent. <laughs> well, Dylan Montz is here, too, yes. and you guys can... Uh, it's been uh, a rough week for all of us. Fellowship of the Miserable here, you three. <laughs> we'll take a time out. Uh, Tom, great to talk to you. Thank you, Tom. We'll talk to you next Friday. Okay, thanks, guys. Good to talk to you. Tom Kickert, HawkeyeReport.com, and Dylan Montz, Ames Tribune, as we get our last look at the Clones and the Hawks. We will take a time out. Matthew Poston's going to join us next. Covers the Cowboys for Cowboys HQ, also HeartlandSports.com, which is college, which is Big 12, so we'll do some Big 12 uh, with uh, Matt as well. Uh, it's Miller and Condon. We're here until noon on Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO. KXNO in your pocket with iHeartRadio on your smartphone. This is Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO. All right, welcome back. Miller and Con in Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO. It's time to pay your bills with 1460 KXNO and EKG Golf. Let's try and put... Some money in your pocket, $1,000. Here's your chance to win $1,000 simply by texting the keyword RUN. Run to 200-200. That's run to 200-200 right now. Message and data rate supply. Uh, let's talk some NFL, shall we? Uh, Matt Poston's uh, for Cowboys HQ covers the Cowboys also with HeartlandSports.com. A lot on the Big 12. Uh, Matt, great to talk to you again. Trent and Ken in Des Moines. How are you, Matt Poston's? I'm good. I just texted my uh, my run to your account, so I'm hoping to get my check in the mail. Today. Absolutely, we're pulling for you. Um, <laughs> hey, you know what? Before we get into the uh, the Cowboys and the Rams and take a look at the Big Twelve, etc., let me ask you about Kyler Murray. What What do you think um, NFL teams are? You know, the decision if you've got uh, if you're a quarterback needy team like Jacksonville, certainly like the Giants. Although I mean, uh, I'm sure they'll be looking at Ohio State really closely. But say it's Jacksonville, say it's Denver at ten, and Kyler Murray decides that uh, you know he's going to give football a go. What kind of pro do you think he's going to be? Considering he's probably five foot nine, five nine and a half, 180 pounds. What would you do if you were asked? Uh, 
if I'm talking about him in the first round, I think I might pass, honestly. Um, and it has nothing to do with his arm talent. Uh, it has nothing to do with his ability to, to break down defenses. It's just that the best part of his game to me is his ability to make things happen with his feet. And it's a big difference when you're doing that at, at his listed height of 5'11". And I think we all know he's a bit shorter than that. Uh, and when you're Cam Newton and you're six foot four and you're built right. like a tank, right. uh, it's a big difference in the NFL. And I think that would be the biggest hurdle that he would have to overcome. If I'm like a Cliff Kingsbury who now has the number one overall pick in the draft, I'm, I'm taking a pass on Kyler Murray for that reason and that reason alone. Plus, I have Josh Rosen on the roster. Now, if we get into the second or the third round and I've got a, uh, a semi-established veteran quarterback, which Jacksonville kind of does in Blake Bortles, I might take a chance on him, but I would be worried that the wear and tear of the NFL game, because of the things that he does really well, would really take a toll on him quicker than it would say on players like uh, Cam Newton. I, I kind of look at him as an RG3 kind of player, you know, minus the catastrophic injury at this point. Mm. You know, uh, there's going to be so much hype, and it's already started with Texas after what they did to Georgia in the Sugar Bowl. Are we getting ahead of ourselves, or is there that? There's also that comeback part of it where. All right, you make the joke, Texas is back, and then you say, but they're really not. Where where are we? What's the likelihood that this team can get to a college football playoff? Is that a realistic goal in 2019? Well, I think it's interesting because we're going to talk about basketball in a bit. And, and going into this season with Texas Tech basketball, I was asking myself, so does Chris Beard have a team or does he have a program? Mm-hmm. Because he had a great team last year, but he lost uh, Evans and he lost Zaire Smith to the NBA and I thought, well, this is the year we're going to find out if he's building a team or if he's building a program. Well, I think Chris Beard's built a program because you look at what's happened with Jared Culver yes. and his emergence as their number one option, David A. Moretti, uh, the players they brought in as transfer. Chris Beard's building a program there. And I think next year we're really going to find out with Tom Herman if he's building a really good team, which is what they had last year, mm-hmm. or if they're building a program down in Austin. They've got a lot of guys that got to replace on the defensive side of the football They've got a lot of continuity on offense, so I would expect them to make that next step from an offensive standpoint. I think it's all going to depend on the guys that they have on their roster now on the defensive side of the football, assuming the mantle of the standard that that defense has set the past couple of years. That's a really good defense over there at Texas, and you saw that in the Sugar Bowl. Now it's up to those redshirt freshmen and sophomores that were playing behind these veteran guys this year to take that next step. If they can do that defensively, and that offense can make strides, and I think we can safely say that Tom Herman's building a program and not necessarily a team, and that that team would, would I, in my mind, be uh, contenders for uh, the college football playoff. Mm, Matt Postens is our guest. Well, let's stay on basketball, and then I, I do want to get to Cowboys and Rams. This uh, game intrigues me uh, for a whole lot of reasons, the young quarterbacks being one. Of course, they faced off or faced each other's, each other's defense uh, as rookies in preseason going all the way back. Remember, that was really Dak Prescott's, I don't know, coming out party for the first time. So maybe this kid can play uh, at the NFL level. But Texas Tech, as you mentioned, and Beard, they're on top of the conference. Now, the Kansas Jayhawks kind of have that uh, New England Patriots vibe about them where everybody's ready for new blood at the top. Um, this doesn't feel like this Kansas team is is as good as some of Self's other team. Are we starting to see some cracks, do you think? Might this be the year that there's somebody at the top of the conference when the music stops not named Kansas? Seems like we had this conversation last week. We did, all, yeah. All <laughs> Here's the thing. Here's what's different about this Kansas team this year as opposed to last year. Kansas knew what its deficiencies were going into the season. 
They knew they weren't deep. They knew they were guard heavy. They knew they were really going to have to rely on three players to get the job done. And that's what they did. And they were very successful doing it. I think the team they have now this year is different than the team that Bill Self expected to have going into the season. Specifically, no Adoka as a decoy anymore. He's gone for the year. So now Kansas has to rely more on Diedrich Lawson. They're going to have to rely more on C.J. Lawson in the post. They're going to have to rely more on Mitch Lightfoot like they did last year. And now they've got this this new kid who just played the other night, Ochai Agbaji, I think I'm pronouncing that name correctly, freshman, who they burned his red shirt Wednesday night for the TCU game, and all he did on his first offensive possession was throw down a dunk on an alley So they've got talent. What Bill Self has to do now is he has to figure out how he's going to compensate for losing as a beakway. And it's not so much about uh, replacing the offense. He can do that. It's about floor spacing. Uh, I didn't buy into this at first, but as a decoy really does suck the defenders toward him when he has the basketball. He creates double teams with the basketball in the post, and then he can pass it out to shooters to shoot the ball from three. Now, they're not as good at shooting three-point team as they were a year ago, but what Bill Self has to figure out the next couple weeks is how he's going to create that spacing on the floor without that seven-footer in the middle. If he can figure that out, then there are going to be players in this conference race till the very end. And right now, the way things have shook out for the past three games, I think Texas Tech and Iowa State are probably the two teams that could challenge them to be at the top of the standings, like you said, when the music stops going into the Big 12 tournament. Matt, along with uh, all the work you do on the Big 12 and down there in Texas, you also cover the Dallas Cowboys for CowboysHQ.com. Let's get into the matchup Saturday night, a road trip. And I don't know, I feel like at least here, I'm on a bit of an island. I really like their chance. I think they have a real opportunity, not to keep it close, not to cover the spread, but win this football game. Are you believing that? I'm sure you're hearing the hype down there in Texas. <laughs> yeah, we are. I've got a lot of friends who are obviously Cowboys fans, and they're kind of split down the middle. My thing is the Cowboys have not been a particularly good team on the road. Not that they haven't won road games this year. They have, but they don't score the kind of points on the road uh overall over the bulk of the season as they have at home. The other big thing is the Rams, despite not playing well the last few weeks of the season, they're still 7-1 and one at home. The only team to beat them at the Coliseum this year has been the Philadelphia Eagles, and that was the week Nick Foles came in and, and does what Nick Foles does. It's a really intriguing game because I think both defenses are fairly close. I think the, the Rams probably have a better line. The Cowboys probably have a better back seven. Uh, the offenses are completely different in what they want to try to do, how they want to exert pressure on you. Uh, they both have very good offensive lines. I, I think it's going to be a close game. I'm taking the Rams by three just because I feel like the home team uh, in a game like this where it looks like both teams are pretty evenly matched, I'm, I'm always going to give it to the home team. But you know, the Cowboys have won seven of their last eight games, and I don't think anybody would have thought that after they lost to the Titans by double digits on Monday Night Football after the bye week. I think just about everybody here in Dallas thought they were done. So just the fact that they're in the divisional round, I think uh, a lot of fans are really excited about that. And it's been 32 years since the Rams and the Cowboys played each other in the mm. playoffs. That was, I just wrote about this last night, it was 1985. That was the day that Eric Dickerson dropped 243 rushing yards on the Cowboys. Unbelievable. To this day is still the biggest 
single postseason rushing game in NFL history. Mm, he was so fun to watch run the football. Ran upright and just ran away from people. Uh, the, the receiver's position for the Cowboys, Amari Cooper, who's proving to be worth a first-round pick. Uh, he, he's What he's brought to that football team, uh, he's changed him, changed him significantly. But Cole Beasley is limited. We know Hearns is gone. Um, Peters didn't have the best year in the secondary for the Rams. Aqib Tlaib would missed a whole lot of the season. That worries me that Prescott's, uh, Prescott's uh, weapons as far as catching the football somewhat limited. Uh, how big of a talker has that been this week? Uh, there's been some talk of it, certainly. I think Beasley will find a way to go. That's just the kind of player he is. But you're absolutely right. Hearns is gone. And of lesser conversation, but actually of much more significance, is the fact that Blake Jarwin probably oh, the tight end, He's yeah. the guy that caught the three touchdown passes. Uh, in that final game against the Giants. And when you consider that both he and Jeff Swaim are out now, the Cowboys are down two tight ends. Mm-hmm. I think that leaves them with uh, their rookie Dalton Schultz and uh, the enigma that is Rico Gathers. Mm-hmm. So it's not just the fact that Hearns is out and, and Beasley is banged up. It's the fact that they don't have some good tight end options. So what you've kind of seen over the past couple of weeks is you've seen them really rely on Ezekiel Elliott coming out of the backfield, throwing the football. Wouldn't surprise me at all if the Rams decided to spy Elliott a little bit. You know, a lot of teams like to spy the quarterback, like Prescott, because he can run the football. I think they could spy Elliott because of Elliott's ability to uh, you know, catch passes out of the backfield. He's had a Roger Craig-like season rushing and receiving this year, over 2,000 all-purpose yards. He was the leader in uh, rushing in the NFL for the second time in three years. But his ability to catch passes and make things happen out in the flat on screen passes, that's really accelerated over the past 18 months. He's kind of become their de facto tight end the last few weeks. And if he has a big game catching passes out of the backfield, that'll compensate for some of those losses they expect on the, in the at wide receiver and tight end. Matt Postens, uh, you do a great job for us, Matt. Thank you very much for your time this morning. All right, thanks, guys. Appreciate it. Yeah, good to talk to you, Matt Postens. Heartland College Sports covers the Big 12 and uh, Cowboys HQ, the NFL. I say this every time we talk to Matt. Why don't we do this more often? It's a great call. He's really prepared. I love having him on. Mm-hmm. Uh, we'll come back. The final hour of the week is coming up next, at least for us. Uh, of course, Murph and Andy today at 2, the Fanatics at 4, and then we'll start afresh on Monday with the morning rush at 6. Trent and I have an hour to go. Claxons, we're going to give away a barbecue in about 45 minutes. We're here until noon. It's Miller and Condon on Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO.